A timetable for the restart of the tourism and travel industry was released this week, so perhaps we can start to plan our lives ahead with a little bit more certainty. That was one of the biggest stories of the last few days, but we've also seen some action on the collapse of Fly 365, some hard work by Cato and AFTA, and the unveiling of lots of plans to make travel safer in a post-COVID-19 world. I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is Travel Daily News on the Fly. So Bruce, the biggest story this week would have to be the indicative calendar, estimating when different parts of the travel and tourism sector might start to get going again. Is it good news? Is it bad news? What's it all about? This was a great Travel Daily story. We managed to get hold of the outcome of a meeting held by the Tourism Restart Task Force late last week. Uh, This is a pretty high-powered group, and I believe that Tourism Minister Simon Birmingham was part of the meeting and actually made a presentation. So out of that, they've produced this timetable, which gives a vague indication of when things might get going again. And how soon might we see things kicking off? Well, it's a mixture of good and bad news, and naturally it's only indicative, but it is providing some markers so the industry can at least do some planning, subject to how, obviously, the ongoing management of COVID-19 takes place. The good news is that, as we mentioned last week, intrastate travel is already opening up in some jurisdictions, South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, and interstate, at least between some jurisdictions, is likely to restart as early as next week. Great news for the cruise industry is also that with Ponant's Serena Bratton on the task force, she's really clearly been pushing for a common sense approach to domestic crews, particularly on small ships. Obviously, if domestic tourism is allowed, why on earth wouldn't we also allow cruise ships to operate locally, particularly small ones? And the committee has suggested that the upcoming Kimberley cruise season might be able to go ahead, at least in a limited scope. And that would be you know, a real hot seller, I'd say, for people who haven't been able to go overseas this northern summer. So what about international travel and uh, the travel bubble? Again, it's all subject to negotiation and discussion with governments, but the timetable envisions that a Tasman and even a Pacific travel bubble could kick off in early July. So that's only a month away and followed perhaps by bilateral agreements with particular countries that, you know, sort of both sides agree are COVID safe, which could happen in September or October. The bad news, however, is that probably realistically the task force doesn't expect wider international travel to open up until 2021. It was also interesting to see the timetable include special mention of business events. The MICE sector has clearly been working hard to differentiate its activities from more general public gatherings, and quite rightly, because obviously with a business event they can limit numbers you know, closely manage hygiene, food and beverage, and also provide full traceability of attendees in the event of any outbreak. So the task force is suggesting that events of less than 100 delegates could get up and running in July and with bigger ones in September or October too. Wow, that's really exciting news. I also saw that a lot of other outlets seem to pick up the story too. Yeah, we, we were really pleased. Look, our motto is first with the news. Interestingly, bearing in mind that Travel Daily is a trade-only publication, we're also really impressed to see a Facebook post that we put up about this story received more than 50,000 organic engagements. Apparently that's good. And also, yes, other newsletter outlets ran the story a few days later. So earlier in the week, there were also some developments in the Fly 365 saga. What happened? This is really interesting and hopefully some good news for the industry in the long run. Fly365.com was an online travel agent which 
collapsed very controversially earlier this year, uh, allegedly taking consolidators, airlines and lots of consumers to the cleaners in the process. Uh, Earlier this week, the administrators released their formal second report to creditors, and it really is fascinating reading, uh, not least because it shows there was a whopping $26 million outstanding, and also that the major unsecured creditor is the Commonwealth Bank. Usually banks are you know, much more careful about being a secured creditor, so that was pretty interesting. Hello World's air tickets is also owed a fair bit of money, and also about a 1,000 consumers. The big controversy, if you remember, was that Fly365 was still ATAS accredited when it went down, and that raised lots of questions about the scheme and why they didn't pick up that this collapse was coming. Anyway, the report includes a range of significant allegations about the directors of Fly365, and I've got to be quite careful here because obviously these are not proven, but it does note that about $5 million disappeared from the bank accounts in the week before the company ceased trading, and the administrators are describing those as uncommercial transactions. They've also closely investigated alleged manipulation of fare rules, which was highlighted by one of the travel agents who who ironically got hit by the collapse. Uh, She noticed that many of the flights were booked in Y-class, allowing them to show up on airline reservation systems so customers thought they had a confirmed booking without any payment actually being made. Look, it's a real mess, um, really tangled web, but it's good to see that the, the administrators in this case have referred their initial conclusions about whether fraud took place to ASIC. And they're also also asking creditors and other interested parties, including AFTER, I believe, to help fund a public examination of the directors. And that's generally what's used to gather evidence for a referral to the Director of Public Prosecutions. I really hope that they continue to pursue this case because this type of behaviour is the last thing anyone in the travel industry needs. Today's episode of News on the Fly is brought to you by Travel and Cruise Weekly, Keep Dreaming. The weekly EMAG aims to inspire and engage your clients to keep their travel dreams alive. With the ski season nearly upon us and both New South Wales and Victoria confirming it will go ahead, Travel and Cruise Weekly is producing a Keep Dreaming ski special to inspire your clients to travel domestically this winter. Out next week, the edition has everything a client needs to start dreaming of a snow holiday, whether a rookie or a total ski bunny, and where to get more advice about booking that holiday. Boiler alert, that's you guys, the travel agents. Don't miss it at travelandcruiseweekly.com.au. Plus, spread the word with the agent toolkit found at traveldaily.com.au under the agent zone. So every day now, we appear to be getting more and more updates about measures being taken to ensure that tourism and travel is safe. What are some of the big industry suppliers doing? Um, Look, airlines are at the forefront, obviously, because they want to get things going as soon as they can. Emirates has particularly shown some leadership. Uh, They've relaunched flights between Dubai and Australia. I think they're daily now again to Sydney and Melbourne. And they've come up with a comprehensive set of measures they're giving people a free hygiene kit, a check-in with you know masks, sanitizer, etc. They're enforcing people wearing masks on board, thermal scanning all over the place uh, to check people's temperatures, particularly at Dubai Airport, and of course lots of physical distancing, as well as airlines, a bunch of hotels, including Intercontinental, Hilton, Marriott, and more, are, are developing new policies and cleaning procedures, which obviously uh, get passed down to their various franchisees and operations. And there's also several river cruise lines, including Avalon and Arosa, have also detailed their plans for how they're going to keep people safe from COVID uh, in the event of uh, when they relaunch. However, the industry is still waiting for more clarity from the overall 
ocean cruise sector. Some individual cruise lines have started putting out updates, but I think a, a really industry-wide solution is something that's really needed right across the whole travel and tourism sector to give people confidence to start booking again. And obviously that applies to long-term leisure travel, and I think that that will pick up. People will be confident to book you know, trips in 2022, etc. But we also need it shorter term for the restart of corporate travel and, of course, also for business events. It's all moving pretty fast, so let's hope these restrictions continue to ease and that with these new measures in place, we don't get any more outbreaks. So we've also seen that Cato and AFTA have both been in the news lately. What are they up to? Cato chairman Dennis Bunnick, who, if you didn't know, he's actually an influencer. He's got a massive following on YouTube because he makes video reviews of all of his flights, has turned his uh, social media talents to a new video explaining refunds and credits. And that's been really welcomed by the industry this week. Um, got lots of pickup and, uh, you know, it's sort of in layman's terms trying to clarify things because there is such a massive amount of inf- misinformation about the role of travel agents and suppliers in the midst of this crisis. AFTA is also really busy working behind the scenes, closely engaging with government to ensure that the special issues of the travel industry, which obviously was first affected and is going to be the last to exit this COVID crisis, are clearly understood at the highest levels. Uh, AFTA's been putting together a really big submission, which uh, with the assistance of KPMG, because obviously government want hard facts and figures. I believe that that's going to the Treasurer next Tuesday, and let's hope that produces some great news for the industry. And to finish off, I just want to introduce Jenny, who is back again to read another of the donut ditties that was submitted to Travel Daily for International Donut Day. Great excitement at Travel Daily as it's only one more week till International Donut Day. And we're all very sad that we won't be in the office to celebrate together. This week's donut ditty comes to us from Marilyn Brown of Reho Travel. The time has come. The agent said to speak of many things, of masks and gloves and germs and bugs and empty planes above. But all we know will soon be back and donuts, they shall thrive, to see them lined up all in a row with glaze and sprinkles wild. As travel starts to bloom again and coffee's teas abound, those glorious plates of sweet, sweet rounds are once more to be found. Donuts pink and donuts white, chocolate plain and green. No matter what disguise they wear, they are here for to be seen. As travel now will fill our days, those donuts once more will shine, and agencies around the land shall jump and clap and cheer, for planes and trains and boats and cars are waiting now to hear that donut-loving travellers are ready, set and near. Well, thanks for listening. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for your weekly run through of all the latest travel industry news. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.